Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. My next guest is a public speaker who's overcome bullying, traveled from his home country of Israel to California to New York, got married, is now living a successful life, and he's also a neurotypical coach. So sit back, relax, and grab your favorite beverage, and let's learn more about him. See you there. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Inside the Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Elad Pines. Welcome to the show, Elad. Thank you for having me. You can call me Al. Al, okay, mm-hmm. Al. So, Al, I always like to ask my guests, so tell me about yourself. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised in, in Israel at the age of 12. I moved to the States around sixth grade. This is when I encountered trouble with bullying around middle school. People used to tell me, if you can't speak correctly, how can you do anything in life? But then around the age of 17 or 18, I went to the end of high school, I was diagnosed as being with um, Asperger, dyslexia, OCD, ADD, ADHD, a little bit all of the above. Even though in school, I mostly excelled taking on their AP advanced math classes. Um, and then that led me to a life transformation journey to, of self-growth. Um, and basically, I try to do different things with my life. I try to um, volunteer um, in an Israeli pre-military academy, and I um, then different spiritualities, including Buddhism and the Kabbalah. And at around the age of 23, I met my wife. <clears throat> and then um, later on, um, around the time of the you know, LBGTQ or you know, various Life Matter movements, it you know it just, and listening to Tony Robbins speak about living life to your fullest that kind of gave me the idea of hmm interesting nobody really speaks about the challenges that people on the spectrum really have I mean I remember going to school and I took a life skills class and then you know after graduating high school it's like wait how do I do any of these things again and I asked my parents well how did you figure it out as you know. They said school didn't teach us. We had to figure it out by ourselves. And I said, then why did I go to school for 12 years for? I mean, I don't know how to, you know, uh, move out, pay the bills, get a job, get married, keep my marriage, or any, do any of those things. So I had to do it via trial and error and figure that out. So then I want to become a inspirational and motivational speaker for people on the higher end of the spectrum, which is myself. My IQ was diagnosed in the high 120 range. Um, <clears throat> and then I realized that, you know, I want to call it special challenge to life matter because everybody, you know, everybody has challenges. People on the high end of the spectrum have special challenges, therefore special challenge to life matter. And I that's talking the talk. So then I, I realized maybe I can become a life coach and that's walking the walk, providing a service for people to be able to live to the fullest, live life to the fullest, um, and mm-hmm. live life on their own terms. So that's been a nutshell. All right. So when were you diagnosed? At what that age? was about 17 or 18. It was 11 or 12 grade. Okay. And you said you were, you gotten bullied. How did you handle that yourself? I mean, a lot of people can't deal with the being the bullied. Obviously you found a way to deal with it. What was your method? Mm-hmm. 
to be honest, it took quite a few years. It's not something that happened overnight. Um, honestly, uh, just you know, I really just used my intelligence to just learn how to speak up for myself. People would make fun of my stutter. So then I realized, mm -hmm. hmm, what can I, how can I protect myself? First of all, I just I used to just walk out and get physically strong. And I thought that would help. And it helped to some extent. But then I didn't know how to speak up for myself because obviously if you're getting bullied and you, people make fun of your stutter, it's a, it's a bit tough to, you know, for you to speak up and stand up for yourself. But then I just kind of looked at other, how other people interact with society and I just caught, I sort of mimicked or copied what they had to say. And then if someone said something to me, I would just say something back. I mean, it was not the most ideal thing to do, but that was one day to deal, to deal with bullying at the time. Okay. Um, let's see. Did you, um, finding out you were on the spectrum, mm -hmm. how did that help you understand yourself much better? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it was quite a revelation. I mean, it took some time to obviously, I, I mean, I mentioned after high school, that was briefly after I, I was diagnosed. So I went on a self-discovery journey. Um, but in May, it explained a lot of things that did not make sense before. I mean, I was told that until the age of three, I did not speak. And then I started speaking in sentences. So, I mean, there's the one word stage, two word stage. I had, a, you know, mommy, I want, mm -hmm. like, out of the blue, my parents were like, where did that come from? <laughs> and then, you know, when I was went to um, kindergarten, I was very attached to my mother and I, you know, I would cry on for days on end. So. And then, you know, when I was in maybe elementary and middle school, I had trouble reading between the lines, you know, social interactions, the unwritten rules of society, how people interact, mm -hmm. you know, how people walk, you mm -hmm. know, things, things that I had to learn, you know, via using my rational brain power to analyze and understand how people walk, but it not naturally come to me. So then when I was diagnosed, I'm, hmm, that kind of makes sense. I have the intelligence. I just, I need, I need help figuring out how to interact within society and learn how to fit in, make myself fit in to the, you know, to the, into society and to be the best version of myself in it. All right. So when did you decide to become a public speaker and what kind of recognition did you get from mm -hmm. that? So I decided to become a public speaker. That was about five years ago. That was, I think, as I mentioned earlier, on the time of the LGBTQ, very slight matter movements. I have Tony Robbins speak about, you know, overcoming challenges, going all in, living up to the fullest. And it made me realize, hmm, I went to a lot of different life challenges, you know, grew up in Israel, moved to the States, went to Israel, met my wife, moved to Cali, moved to New York City, got off my medic. Yeah, <laughs> over, yeah, overcame bullying, you know. I mean, like I said, I did not to show off because these things don't matter to me, but did get a job, mo moved out, got a job, got married, kept my marriage, got off my prescription medications, another thing I speak about, which was difficult. Um, and then, you know, just around the time, I said, hmm, I've had a lot of ups and downs and I can share it with people that there's a better way of to be successful and live after the fullest, not a traditional way that we taught that. You go to school, you get your high school, you get your college degree, you know, you get, you know, you um, then you have you you have your um, <clears throat> you have loans to pay, and then you, you know you get a job, buy a home, get married, pay off your debt, raise your you know, you know, raise a family, live happy ever after. You know, quote unquote the American dream, but that that doesn't always work out the way you planned. I mean, let me show you're familiar with the student loan crisis, but that's a whole different topic. 
And then mm -hmm. I just realized at the time, talking is good, but I want to provide a service, coaching to help people find out what's best for them to live their life on their, according to their own terms. But what I think is best for me is probably not the best for you and vice versa. <laughs> so true. Um, has marriage changed how you look at things? Oh, definitely. I mean, I got married young at the age of 24. Um, but my, my first, last, only to love. And I mean, that definitely adds another layer of maturity and taking independent, of taking charge and responsibility over every life decision. When you're, when you're single or independent, when you're single, you know, the world, I mean, the world's yours. You can do whatever, what you want, when you want, when you're married. I mean, it's, it's liberating in its own way because you have to take responsibility and to, and to you know be responsible for your every life everyday life decisions, but it also makes you appreciate too, that you have someone that who cares for you, you care for them, and you help mm -hmm. each other. You so true. You're, you're there to help each other. So that kind of you know it's not about just being about myself, but it's being about somebody else and making our marriage work and live building and living life together. All right. So, what advice would you give to someone on the spectrum who's been bullied? Mm -hmm. Um, definitely, um, try, I mean, try not to take personal because usually the bullies are people who have been bullied themselves or have dealing with something back home or it's just something that either emotional or social or psychological they're dealing with, but mostly try to find out what, you know, what they're saying about you. Is it physical? I mean, what are they doing? Is it, is it physical? Is it verbal? And, and then realize what can you do to, not only to protect yourself, but also to stand up for yourself. If someone says, oh, you can't speak right. And he says, okay, well, but you can't do something else. So instead of let's criticize each other, let's see how we can, you know, compliment each other instead. So, so, in, so instead of just, you know, instead of the, the bully always is looking at a, someone with a shortcoming to compensate for their own. So this, so you can just say, you know what? I mean, my bully was short and fat. I said, Sort of fun, but so that's and that's okay, you know. So if you start making fun of the way I speak, then I won't say say bad things about you. And he was like, okay. So, and that might not be true with every bully, but I just think that we try to meet them at the same level and saying, you know, if you treat me, if if you treat me nicely, I'll return the favor, or I'll treat you nicely, and then if you reciprocate, that kind of shows that the the people pe bullies will more or less like to project their own insecurities onto somebody else. That's so true. I mean, if you look at it, if you ignore a bully, you're not giving him the fuel and then they fizzle out. It's mm -hmm. like starving a fire from ox from the oxygen it needs to mm -hmm. burn. It fizzles mm -hmm. out. It's the same thing. You don't give that bully any acknowledgement. He's like, oh, He's. I'm not getting that feedback I need from mm -hmm. him to make myself look good. So I'm. It's it's no use bothering him. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. De definitely, the best advice is to either ignore bullying or rather just tell them you don't need to, you know, put someone down to feel good about yourself. Try to try to be a better version of yourself. And then some bullies are. Hmm. I never thought about that. You know. Some 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 people some people even bully. They're not even aware of the fact they're bullying somebody else. It became such a, you know, second nature that they've always 
projecting their insecurities into somebody else. It's like, hmm, you know, you, you don't need to do that to fit in. They don't need to do that to fit in to feel good about themselves. They just need to look at what they're good at. All right. So what is a typical day like mm -hmm. for you? At the current moment, um, I work as a substitute teacher. So I just wake up 6 a.m., go teach the school. I'm on 7.30, 8 a.m., get home at 2.30, 3 o'clock. Then I have about two or three coaching clients a day. Um, I meet them over Zoom. Um, we do life coaching. And that's mostly it. I mean, and then if I if I have extra time, I'll do my mental coaching with my um, ICF mental coach. I'm working on a podcast. I mean, another podcast and um, working with a public speaking coach to create more videos. So doing a little bit of everything these days. All right. How did you get into coaching? Mm -hmm. Tony Robbins, to be honest. I've had, I've I've wanted to be a special wonderful speaker. You know, um, as I shared my previous life experiences, and I mm -hmm. and I kind of and I kind of realized speaking is good. It's very powerful, but then I realized what can I do to help people help themselves? So, and I realized, hmm. I mean, I, I like speaking, but I also like to see what people have to say. So, um, you know, I let I let my clients speak. I let, let them listen, you know, I, I kind of provide them feedback to make sure they understand, they are, they are heard and understood. And then and in coaching, it's kind mm -hmm. of, it's like, you know, life's a, it's an analogy of a Rubik's Cube. Huh? You know, all your different life areas, family, friends, hobbies, activities, school, work, whatever that may be, they're all, you know, different colors in a Rubik's Cube. So as a coach, I don't help the client. I don't, I don't take the Rubik's Cube, but I go one, two, three, done. That's not my job. I help the client figure out what they want out of life and and help them help themselves create the, the, the dream life, the perfect Rubik's Cube, quote unquote. So that's kind of from a, from a speaker to, you know, sharing my life, my life advice, my life experience and giving them advice to a coach. I mean, I've been there, done that, but what's right for me may not be right for you. Probably isn't. So how can I help? Can I, how can I help you for you to create a life of your dreams? Mm -hmm. that's so true i mean i mean that's something everyone needs to know is what's good for me isn't good for you people we don't sit here and lecture you to tell you what to do what we do is help you find the tools you need to change your life for the better maybe you should be a coach well well said <laughs> <laughs> anyways what age range do you deal mm -hmm. with um, I deal with all ages. I mean, I guess my niche or my specialty is um, younger adults, you know, around 18, mm -hmm. young, early 20s, early 30s. Um, you know, people who are just out of high school or college trying to figure out their way toward, toward life. Um, I, I mean, and <clears throat> and especially people on the higher end of the spectrum who have who have more time figuring out what, what's next after high school, after college. You know, do I get, do they get, the, how do they get the first job? Do they move out to a different country, a different state? Do they want to find a, a different passion in their life? You know, when, once you're at the crossroads, I, I try to help clients help themselves kind of, hmm, what is it I really want out of life? Because, you know, sometimes the things you want out of life, sometimes they've been conditioned by others. So if you do X, Y, and Z and you'll be successful. And I also, some people, that's great. So, but it's more of helping people get clarity on what they want. Mm -hmm. So, and then helping them figure out what's the next step for them, for them to take to get what they want to get. All right. 
when what problems do you mostly see with your clients? What issues do they deal mm -hmm. with? It's mostly mostly interacting within society. So kind of, you know, find being in well dating, finding a partner, how to communicate with them. Um <clears throat> even even some some clients like, you know, how how do we move out and become independent? Um <clears throat> with different it, even even different clients sometimes with their friends and family, you know how you know how to communicate how to not only to communicate properly but to really understand family dynamics or you know the different different dynamics interactions between people, and kind of knowing how to understand how these dynamics work and how to communicate so they make sure so they so they are heard and understood. All right. And have you had any clients come to you and need help with bullying? I've had a few, not too many. I mean, it was it was a I've experienced it a few times, and the advice I just gave them is to try to ignore them if if possible. Because I know for some people, for me it was difficult because uh, at first. So, um, so if you cannot if if you can ignore bully, that's great. I know for some people, they may feel, well, if I don't say anything back, that means the bully quote unquote wins. So I don't believe that, but I know for some people, they believe they may have a chance to do that. So first of all is, you know, try to talk to the bully and see where they're coming from. You know, well, what insecurities are they projecting onto the person? Um, and then if they can either, you know, <clears throat> either, you know, figure out what's the what's the bully's reason for bullying, or bringing the bully's attention, bringing to the attention of the bully, they're bullying them, and trying to just making making sure that they understand the bully and the bully understands them, and try to be on the same page, and kind of mm -hmm. because if you ignore a bully, that bully will just bully somebody else. If you can try to maybe show them there's a better way of doing things, that might that might help them down the line because you know bullying is not a positive habit; it's a sign of that something else is not right. And you're actually, you're actually doing them a service if you're showing them there's a better way of living life than to bully others instead of dealing with, your, with their own issues. All right. So what was life like with for you growing up? It was challenging. I mean, it was good. Everybody had their challenges. I grew up in first to fifth grade in Israel. And then I moved here um, in between elementary and middle school when you know, the political situation that got bad. And um, it was a bit challenging. I mean, it was a new country at age of 12, which is, you know, middle school, puberty stuff, well, and then learning a new, a new language, a new, you know, new country, new culture, and a different continent halfway past the world. <laughs> it, you know, and then, mm -hmm. you know, so, so it, it was it was challenging, but it, it was a, a learning a grown experience. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad I, you know, I had I had experience when I was younger to face adversity, to be able to overcome it, and then be able to share my my wisdom and experience with people that can be a speaker and a coach and help and speak about my experiences and then help coach people to help them create their own lives so, and they've liked the best to the you know best of their abilities. So you have to go through something you know, to help others to overcome similar challenge. All right. And when you got diagnosed, mm -hmm. did things become more clear for you? I mean, did you like, oh, this explains why I was like this and like this? Yeah, and mostly did. I mean, it, it it really helped. I mean, they they said that I was, you know, I don't know, 
on a very high end of spectrum. So they they just said, and you know, it's very it's very light Asperger's, quote unquote, whatever they meant by that. So there was a test, and I failed. You know, I just barely match the criteria. That's whatever whatever that was. So because I mean because I, because I, because most of the things that I went to when I was a teenager, I mean they were not out of the ordinary. You know, I got bullied, but so many other people did as well. I mean, I had a starter, but and people had it as well. But you know, I mean, from you know, you know, the I mean, the vast majority of things I was, you know, you know, in advanced classes, getting good grades, being social, even though. My friends always took advantage of my goodwill because I couldn't read between the lines, you know, with people or, you know, the unwritten rules of society. You know, I'm, I have to remember, I'm, I'm just a giver. I like to give people, but I used to, I used to give and I give mm -hmm. with no limit. You know, and then, and then some people work based on interests. So it's like, what can you do for me? I didn't function like that when I was younger. Well, I had to learn to be more balanced growing up. And then, I, and then, and then kind of when I was diagnosed, hmm, things made sense that, you know, Difficulty to sometimes show, you know, to establish boundaries, or sometimes, you know, difficulty to say no, or sometimes difficulty to express myself. It's all skills I've learned to, you know, over the years, establish and create. But, you know, when I was like, no, hmm, interesting, I do have challenges reading people or reading between the lines. But so it brought me a lot of clarity, a lot of things actually made sense that, you know, sometimes I would think to myself, why can't I, why can't I do those things? And then I was like, hmm. So maybe I am different or special, you know, in this in this circumstance, in this way. Now, when you did get diagnosed, did you tell your friends this? And how and if so, how did they react? I did not. I mean, not because I I didn't really not really know what it what it really meant myself. I was trying to figure out myself. So kind of when mm -hmm. it's like, oh, you know, and Asperger's like, huh? What does that mean? No. Oh, it's like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, Asperger's, you know, people would people have these stereotypes of ideas in their mind. I don't believe that, but you know, at that specific time, I realized, hmm, let me figure out what this really means. So for myself, let me kind of take time to figure out, you know, who I am, how I work in this framework, does it define me or not? So I kind of I, I mostly kept it to myself at that time. Okay. Now, what do you think of the term neurodistinct over neurodivergent? Mm -hmm. Well, I like neurodistinct, it's distinct, it's distinctiveness that not all people are neural neurologically wired the same way. You know? We're all really neurodistinct in our own way, if you really think about that. You know, neurodivergence seem to have the connotation of these di diverging from the norm. Whatever that may be, you know, which I personally think the, the norm is just majority of people agree this is what the norm or normal is. I mean, and there's some truth to it, but there's some, but also there's some evidence. So, you know, and, and when you say it's neurodistinct, you know, we're all, we're all, humanity, we're all neurodistinct. So it's more inclusive that you feel like you're part of the larger group, but you know, they've you're kind of like an outsider group. So I like that it's more inclusive and includes everybody who are. "Quote unquote," more neurodistinct or whatever the term may be. Okay, and finally, how can people find out more about you and your services? Mm -hmm. So they, they, I appreciate that. So they can check out my um, personal website. It's cap, it's capital S C L M Special Trans Lives Matter. It's an acronym. Um, dot community, and I have a LinkedIn. 
um, a lot bit of top times. Um, and I have a Facebook I'm working on that I just need to do some editing and that's, and that's the same link. So if you want, I could just put them in the chat or send, send uh, that information over to you later if um, people want to you know, check out those links. That's it, everyone. That was Elad Pines or Al, as he likes to be called. And I'll leave the links in. I'll leave the links down in the description down below. See you later in the next one, everyone. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me again. All the best. Not a problem. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I want to believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking. Bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Shape shifting, same player, different position. The definition could stick with them. Drifting through these layers of wisdom. I took a break from tradition. I move away from what's expected. Change the music ride the way but keep the message question this dimension is still deception every entrance have good intentions no exceptions and leave the rest up to the heavens your only plan to be the seeker and become yourself because more than half would you believe in was crafted to be misleading for the benefit of someone else i want to believe in the truth but only see what i'm shown got the freedom to choose but can't decide on my own follow what the group is thinking bottle up my intuition till it's popping out the box that i don't fit in I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow up the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition till it's popping up the box that I don't, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Applause. I don't walk right into traps While you closing in the walls I be using out the cracks And relax, don't breathe These are the facts Supposedly stutters Living a mask Suckers Keep moving along to the beat Brainwash, rinse and repeat Keep pulling about with the sheep I'll go, got and Eve Know what I mean? Probably not Honesty shocks, it's fineness The only box I'll ever fit in Is the one that I die I wanna believe in the truth But only see what I'm shown Got the freedom to choose But can't decide on my own Follow what the group is thinking Bottle up my intuition Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. I wanna believe in the truth, but only see what I'm shown. Got the freedom to choose, but can't decide on my own. Follow what the group is thinking, bottle up my intuition. Till it's popping out the box that I don't fit in. Hey, hey, yeah, I don't fit in. Hey, hey, I don't fit in. Hey, hey,